What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number six, 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 the number of the beast sacrifice is going on tonight. Episode episode number 66, I've already fucked up and made a mistake. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Brown. How you doing, Mike? How's it feel? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, It feels great. Um, It'll be crazy if we get to 666, because that really is the number of the beast. I don't see that happening. I see see us passing away before that happens. (laughs) No, I don't know. Uh, I don't think there's enough episodes of the show to do 666. Yeah, what what happens when we run out of Unsolved Mystery segments, everybody? Like, what what are y'all... Are y'all, y'all just going to stop listening to us en masse? You're just going <laughs> to go somewhere else? And we're just going to... We'll change formats? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll start talking about, like, sightings or something after. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I've, I'm, I'm doing good. I am uh, just uh, dealing with sort of midterm sort of stuff going on for college. Now, thankfully, I don't really have that many tests, but I do have like a portfolio of poems I need to get in by Monday, but I did most of them already. Did you write a poem? Uh, yeah, I've written multiple poems, actually. Do you want to read one? I, well, I I could. <laughs> Maybe we'll save that for the end. We'll, we'll, Mike will read one of his poems. I, I would be interested in hearing it. Um, yeah. I also want to say thank you for the six people. <laughs> that, yes. That, thank you so much. All that, six of you that jumped on to the uh, live stream that we, uh, you know, I think that was more of a test run more than anything yes. else. But, you know, it's like we know how to do it now. And um, so, yeah, we we talked about the first uh, special for, of sightings of the show sightings. We we commented on it in real time. I thought it was pretty funny, actually. Um, I thought it was pretty entertaining. It's weird complimenting yourself, but fuck it. You know, whatever. I don't <laughs> care anymore. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun, though. So thank you to all six of you who listened to the live stream we did it at mm-hmm. probably the worst possible time we did it at 3 a.m or no 2 a.m eastern standard time and like 11 p.m pacific time it would have been earlier if uh it didn't take us so fucking long to figure out how to get it to work so yeah dude it's not as easy like with the streaming stuff that you see all the time like everyone's everyone's always like oh, i'm gonna be live streaming this that and the other like it's not as easy as you think it is. There's a lot more that kind of goes into it behind the scenes. And in the mix, we somehow threw one of our listeners on the live stream with us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so thanks, Amanda, for hanging out. <laughs> it was just, I mean, it's on our... Thank you, Amanda. Yeah, yeah Amanda. <laughs> yeah, it's on our uh, YouTube page. Uh, YouTube, I think it's YouTube.com slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. So if you want to go see that, that dumpster fire, that train wreck uh, of a video that eventually got funny and maybe petered out after that, you can go check out <laughs> that YouTube channel. If you want to support us on Patreon, consider that. It's uh, Patreon.com slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Uh, you get the podcast early, amongst uh, other benefits. So uh, go check that out if that's something that interests you. If you want to join our Facebook group and interact with us on the daily, 
Well, for me, it's on the daily. For Mike, it's on the once every, like, I don't know, three or four days he might pop in there. <laughs> I don't know what the deal with him is. I really don't. Uh, it's college. I don't That's know. what the deal is. Yeah, but there's like 24 hours in a day, Mike. Like, what, what do you do? Like, nobody knows. It's like mysterious. I get up. I... I walk to the bus stop, I wait for the bus, I go through multiple transfers just to get to school, and then I get home around 6, 7 o'clock, and... At night? I, I either work on, yeah, and I either work on homework, and then once I get that stuff done, the I just want to hang out and just watch TV or watch movies or something. So I, I, I check in on, on, on the group every now and then. I keep tabs on it. Oh, that's cool. That's that's the important thing. Uh, I, I, I see get... messages and I check them out. <laughs> I see I see things. I know what's going on. My my ears to the street. I'm hip. Uh, and we also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. But I mean, honestly, who who gives a shit about that page? Because you can't you can't <laughs> you can't interact on it. I mean, people rate our podcast on there, which is which is nice, but honestly, it doesn't do anything. The rating our podcast mm. on the Facebook page does nothing for us. But if you would like to help us out, you can rate this podcast on iTunes, and that does help us out. And 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 don't give us a bad rating because that doesn't help us out. Unless you really feel like we suck, then hey, it's a free country. If you're in America, if you're in other countries, I don't know. If don't it's give free. us any ironic bad ratings. Yeah, like. You know, I don't know. Wink, wink and a nod. I really like you guys, but I'm only giving you one star. But you you're awesome. But, you know, because it, it like fucks. <laughs> iTunes has an algorithm. I of Every fucking thing has an algorithm for for God's sakes. Um, well, it's not as bad as YouTube censorship algorithm, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, with all that shit out of the way, uh, it, you can look forward to a nice rant at the end of this video that I do about uh, some uh, fucking scalpers, scalpers of the SNES classic, the new N Super Nintendo classic that was released. Bunch of fucking shitty scalpers. Yeah. But uh, anyway, let's get to some let's get to some mysteries. Let's uh, get to some murders. Yeah. God. Jesus, man. This uh, season seven episode 15 which we'll talk about in a second but i just gotta say that episode uh they, they go in man they go in hard and that segment is uh god it's brutal but before that we have something called we have another brutal segment uh it's uh the gainesville thrill killers uh and there's a doorbell <laughs> yeah i heard that i guess they're coming i guess they're coming for me <laughs> um i know what it is it's a package of twilight zone that i'm waiting for um, but anyway, the Gainesville Thrill Killers is a segment, I believe, from season two. And when this aired on Unsolved Mysteries, it was an unsolved case. Uh, they were looking for the killers, but there was thankfully an update. So this has been solved. So here's the details, though. Two, two unidentified male teens committed a murder spree that began in Gainesville, Texas, and carried on to Farmersville, Texas, and then followed into Saratoga, Arkansas, resulting in the murders of four previously unconnected strangers. The police followed their pattern case by case. At around 10 a.m. on March 7, 1988, the suspects were seen in Gainesville. I'm not used to... Is, isn't there a Gainesville, Florida? There is. So that's what I'm getting confused. I was thinking it was in Florida, but actually it's in Texas. It's, it's the other Gainesville. 
So the suspects were seen in Gainesville looking around a car belonging to the father-in-law of Tommy Matthews and Kenny Davis. Tommy and Kenny confronted the teens who said that they were looking to use a phone. Kenny said that there was no phone in the car and he told them to leave. The suspects compiled and together and then left the scene without incident. Yeah, and in this, the reenactment or whatever, it's showing the kids and they're just like peering into the window of this yeah. pickup truck. And, and you know, it's it, they're kind of almost, and they could have been dressed this way, and they I think they were from the description. They were definitely um, like... Metalheads. Yeah, they're wearing the same kind of shit that the kids in the West Memphis 3 kind of were said to have worn. So I almost, yeah. I almost feel like liking uh metal or rock music at that time almost kind of was hand in hand with satanic panic i feel like those two kind of things were absolutely yeah they were intertwined totally so if somebody you know these if an old fart saw a kid wearing black and all this other kind of shit you know there was it was automatically thrown in with 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 satanism you know and i think even, they weren't helping though. I mean, one of the, the, with the earring, like there was a guy who was wearing an earring that had a bat and like a skull on it. So, which you know, not, not helping the image at all with something like that. But I mean, you can't I mean, you, that, you can't like judge by that though. But in this no, case, in this case, in you this can. Case, that's what I'm saying. In this case, put in this yourself case. in the shoes of people in this small town you see some guy walking around with bat skull earrings yeah you know you'd be thinking this guy is up to no good yeah there's a band called um ha- halloween uh from the 90s and oh yeah god, from the 80s and 90s yeah, yeah. god yeah, they were they, they were an awful band and they 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 kind of had the skull I didn't with mind bat wings. some of their songs i mean but yeah they're mike i still don't I not just, the greatest band ever i can't pin I like down their song halloween i can't pin down your fucking music tastes <laughs> like I, I like right when i think all right i think i have a feel for what mike listens to you say you like something like out in left field i'm like what really i like their song halloween and uh, i like their cover of judas priest's electric eye so, just an hour later, and 200 feet from where Tommy and Kenny saw the suspects, a 23-year-old woman named Deanna Woodard returned to her trailer and was stabbed to death and nearly decapitated. Oh, God. The killers left her infant abandoned in their home, stole her blue Thunderbird, drove it 60 miles south, and then ditched it in an unknown location. The way they did the reenactment was classy for such a tasteless crime. Uh, also, it, they did... The lighting in this was really, really good because it did a great job showing the dark mood and atmosphere that they wanted for this particular segment. They then went to a nearby farmer's Farmsville farmhouse belonging to 85-year-old Cecil Floyd Morrison and his 62-year-old son Cecil Leonard Morrison. They broke into the house and beat and tortured the men for over an hour. Then they shot both men to death with a gun stolen from Deanna's home. The killers then stole the Morrison's beige Chevrolet pickup truck, which they drove into a lake around 9 p.m. They also threw Deanna's guns into the water. Now, the, they, 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 in the segment, they interview like one of the detectives, and he, and he said it best. He goes, now, why these boys had to torture those old men for an hour before they killed them is, is beyond me. And it's just like, yeah, what the fuck? Um... And you know these They're psychopaths. Yeah, these, these boys are fucking insane. Well, they have they have no conscience. Terrifyingly crazy. No conscience, no filter. Um, it's much you like don't, that. You don't. You really usually think of 
teenagers, young kids being this ruthless and crazy. But this is one of the few examples that are actually out there. Yeah, it's like it's like that that story I said of back when I was young, I went under my aunt's house and broke a bunch of her pot or glassware that she had for no reason. I just did it for no reason. I, f- I didn't really feel remorse about it only until after I did it. Then I was like, oh, shit, what have I done? But it's like there these some some of these kids who do these murders, they never have that. Oh, shit, what have I done moment? They just that that thing in their brain, that thing that's in your brain that goes, no, that's shitty. Don't do that. It's shitty to beat and torture people. It's shitty to scalp Super Nintendo. for. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm getting off track here. But no, <laughs> it's shitty to do that. It's like they just never have that. And, you know, these stories were airing on TV, on the news. And this happened in, you know, the late 80s. And, you know, again, I have to bring it back to West Memphis 3 because people were looking at these stories and seeing these kids dressed in black. They listen to rock music, whatever. They were starting to stereotype Yes. So now you get to see in the 90s, in the early 90s, when the West Memphis Three murders happen, you can kind of see that the groundwork that had already been laid for this kind of M.O., for this kind of uh, this kind of stereotyping that was done for, you know, white young teens who dressed in black, much like Mm -hmm. how African-Americans get stereotyped in certain ways as well as far as, like, criminal activity and stuff. I mean, you can see the stereotyping that that the news, a lot of times, helps perpetuate, yeah. which but I think is awful. at the same awful. time, th- this, this is a, an example of where it it was true. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. These guys I, really were crazy. They were psychopaths, and they did wear heavy metal T-shirts and black. Right, and, in the rare and, instance that... that these that murderers do happen to be into heavy metal and they do happen to dress in black it it fucks it up for everybody else basically exactly yeah i mean i'm not saying that oh just because they're wearing that that's a bunch of bullshit uh it's just a coincidence that they happen to like heavy metal and wear skull bat earrings (laughs) but uh other than that what makes them crazy it's what's going on in their brain and it probably started at birth. Oh yeah, sure. So they cross they crossed over into Arkansas, and there was a witness that saw them multiple times walking along a highway. At 10 p.m., the two men arrived at a trailer in Saratoga owned by Kenneth Kenny Olden, where they asked for help with their broken down truck. Kenny's girlfriend Brenda witnessed the two teens leaving with him. A few minutes later, they shot and killed him once again, stealing a vehicle. This time, a 1983 Mustang. And going back to your point about, you know, they don't have any remorse. They also, they get a thrill out of this. That's why they're called thrill killers. Because they get a sick, twisted thrill out of taking other people's lives. It's like that guy who went around on I, the, the, the freeway, the freeway killer I-70? would show up. The I-70 killer probably the same sort of thing he's just doing it for a thrill yeah and like you know i felt really bad and about that's the- what's terrifying is because these are this isn't like the, the unknown and the supernatural isn't as scary as it used to be because you have cases like this where it's just unpredictable deadly violence from people you would not even remotely expect would be capable of doing this kind of stuff 
and then they do it. And then that's scary. Like, that's scarier to me than ghosts. Because that's real horror. I don't know. I'm kind of more scared about of ghosts than this, but <laughs> that's because I'm a fucking weirdo. But, <laughs> you know, that last guy that got murdered uh, in this segment, you know, he's just chilling with his girlfriend in his mobile home or whatever. And these two fucking Beavis and Butthead douchebags come knocking on his door. He graciously decides to help them with their yep. car troubles, their made up ass car troubles. And, you know, what's what is his reward? He he dies. And, you know, and then his girlfriend's just like left behind to like talk about it. And, you know, she's like, you know, he didn't think that these boys were murderers or killers. Who would? And, yeah. They just think they're a bunch of punks. Well, I'll tell you this right now, man. I, I, I assume anybody knocks at my door and I don't fucking know them and they're asking, you know, for this, that and the other. I just assume the worst. Can I mow your lawn? Yeah. God, Thank, the only reason I even trusted that guy was because he was so old and frail. All I could, all I had to do was flick him with my index finger, and he would have flown across the yard. But yeah, I don't open the door for people anymore. I don't trust people anymore because of uh, hearing about stuff like this. And it's like, yeah, most of the time it doesn't happen, but sometimes it does. Why take the chance? You know? Yeah. So they then dumped the Mustang in a creek in Brown Springs, Oklahoma. Footprints were found in the mud near the car. Nothing about these deaths and thefts made any sense to the Texas, Arkansas, and Oklahoma State Police. The only clue to the killer's identities is an earring that they left in Cecil Morrison's truck. Artie Lee Renfro II came forward claiming that he had owned the earring, but had given it to another boy named John Colwell, who had lived just 200 yards from Deanna Woodard's trailer. However, the Colwell family had moved just a month before the murders. John claimed that he did not know what happened to the earrings. Authorities did, however, find out that the two teens matching the killer's description were seen walking away from the Caldwell home the morning of the murders. Authorities are still searching for the killers as they fear that they may strike again. Like I said earlier, they caught these bastards. On February 1st, 1990, 18-year-old William Glenn Henry was arrested after his fingerprints matched those found in Kenneth Olden's car. He soon identified his accomplice as 19-year-old David Lynn Crockett, who was arrested nine days later. Crockett later led investigators to, De- to Deanna Woodard's car. The most stunning part of their murder spree was that they committed the cold-blooded crimes just because they were bored. God damn. I mean, even their reasoning behind it is fucking insane. Why'd you kill him? Because we were bored. Didn't have anything, anything to do, so we just decided to just kill people. Like, what the fuck? You know those little updates on the revamp, or not the revamp, but the uh, Amazon Prime originals where it mm-hmm. goes, he was later released? These motherfuckers better never have a they were later released for their update. It better be they died and rotted in jail. Well, I have good news for you. That's They did not, okay? They did not get released. Henry pleaded guilty to three counts of first-degree murder and on April 21st was sentenced to two consecutive life terms. Just a few months later, Crockett was also sentenced to two life terms from the murders. Both Henry and Crockett are now serving their prison terms at the Beto Correctional Facility near Tennessee Colony, Texas. Henry was denied parole on February 1st, 2005, and on February 18th, 2005. Crockett was granted an additional 10 years for being in possession of a weapon. 
What exactly, I wonder, is a life term? I mean, does it mean for the entirety of your biological life, or is that is there like a, a I think there's a specific a static number for it. I'm looking I it up right a now. Term. Uh, a life imprisonment is any sentence of imprisonment for a crime under which convicted persons are to remain in prison on unlimited time, traditionally for the rest of their life or until paroled. So if you get sentenced to life, it just means you're in there indefinitely. I guess unless some other factor like parole comes up. Crimes for which a person could receive the sentence, blah, 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 of course. Murder, attempted uh-huh. murder, blasphemy. What? <laughs> Child abuse, rape, espionage, treason, high treason, drug dealing, drug trafficking. Blasphemy? Really? Maybe in different countries. Yeah, true, maybe. Not not in, not in the U.S. Fucking, that would be crazy. Uh, I would have already gone... <laughs> Gotten life imprisonment. <laughs> um, life imprisonment can, in certain cases, also be imposed for traffic offenses causing death as a maximum term. Um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't have anything else to say about that case uh, except uh, fuck those guys. <laughs> yeah, fucking rotten jail, you pieces of shit. These people are not, they are. And no- you look at the photo, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Right, you look at the photo for those guys. Hey, hey, butthead. Let's go like, kill a bunch of old people just for fun. <laughs> yeah, we're there, dude. That sounds cool. Assholes. Um, oh, you know what's crazy? I'm looking at a world map right now of where life imprisonment laws are um, put into pra- uh, practice. And they have life imprisonment is used. And it's the U.S., Canada, Mexico, parts of South America... Australia, uh-huh. parts of Europe. Uh, then they have a life imprisonment only imposed on men. And that's all of Russia and the Slavic kind of countries. So only men can get life in Russia. And then huh. they have insert very few parts of Europe, most of South America, life imprisonment laws have been abolished. So no hmm. life, no, that can't, you can't get life. And parts of the UK I see here, and looks like some islandy places. Holy shit, that's crazy. Well, then what happens? <laughs> you don't get, you can't, what, do you not get the death sentence? You not get life, you can't get life in prison? Jeez, just go and do whatever the fuck you want, apparently. That's nuts. They probably have something, you know, like a death sentence or, or something like that, I would think. But maybe not. You have to listen to Dennis Farina pronounce things in a Chicago accent on a loop <laughs> for forever. Uh, no, I think that I think that wouldn't be torturous enough. It, you you play the Storm in Hell segment over and over oh again. God, you play that one that, part with oh, the kid Jesus. going, "Jesus loves me." So. Jesus loves me. I won't even like burn <laughs> your ears out with that. You just play that on the loop. Storm in Hell. That that's their sentence. Good old Storm in Hell. I'm so glad we did. <laughs> So glad we did that worst segments episode like a year ago. That was a good one. That was fun. We need to do that again with some more. We need to pick some more bad episodes. What What do you guys think are some of the worst episodes of Unsolved Mysteries besides Aphrodisiacs, the uh, Love Statues, Storm in Hell, and I forget the uh, Oh the Angels Angel Angels. Uh, I'm sure we can dig up some more miracle segments that are pretty low on the totem pole, but. Um, I think there was one I had in mind that was pretty bad as well. Those are fun to do. We in December, 
Well, last December at least, I think we did like fan request month and like yeah. some special I know there shit. was there was like a robbery one where it was just these guys were incompetent fucking dumbasses who oh left, <laughs> left the money. The- but see, that's not a bad segment. They're they're just no. It was it, they're just no. Dumb. But that's a bad mystery if you think about it. Like out of all of the mysteries for the show, we got the keys. You got the fucking Darwin Award uh, nominees over here. <laughs> but anyway, uh, if you thought the thrill kill, the thrill killers were bad, I mean. Wait till you hear about the skaters. The the thrill kills go go to a level ten of brutality though. Why why yes. do, why do you have why do we have the skaters next? Because the skaters go to eleven. Uh, <laughs> okay, if you've seen this is Spinal Tap, you'll get that reference. All right, that's going to eleven. That's a reference that pretty much everyone yeah. should get at this point, even if you haven't seen yeah. the damn movie. Yeah. That means this goes beyond extreme okay that's what i'm trying to say here beyond uh this is when i saw uh actually uh i only saw this one recently when the um amazon prime was brought back i was cruising through season seven and Mm -hmm. i i even messaged mike about this shit after i watched this segment we weren't even as i've told you last podcast me and mike go to our fucking trailers after the podcast we do not talk (laughs) to each other after the podcast it's like we act friendly and all on the podcast. And afterward, you know, I put my curlers in my hair and he Mike puts on his robe and we go to our separate trailers until we're needed on the set again. But yeah. I, I had to break that rule after seeing this segment and I had to message Mike and go, dude, this I just saw one of the most uh-huh. fucked up segments on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, and- my parents are home. So if you hear anything in the background, they're just chatting. So, <laughs> oh, OK. You should bring them on the podcast and have them say hi and tell us a little bit about you. So Mike was such a beautiful baby boy. He was already he came out of the womb wearing glasses. It was the weird weirdest thing. And I just knew he was going to be a movie critic on YouTube. I don't know why your mom talks like that. Um, never met uh, Mike's mom or heard her talk, so I really don't know. She definitely does not have an accent like that. Does she have any accent? No. Oh. Although sometimes she'll have a southern drawl come out out of nowhere. Huh. My mom claims that she still has her uh, Massachusetts accent, but she really doesn't. Oh, well, I mean, I guess sometimes <laughs> she does, but then she, when she gets on the phone with her sister, it comes back out. Because <laughs> um, her, her sister... Probably because she hears her sister, and then it just... Well, her whole family still lives up there, and she's the only one who defected to Florida. Defected. I mean, de- de- defected. De facto, de facto, whatever. Tomato, she defuctoed the Florida. She defuctoed my dad at some point, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was, I came about, I came on the scene. All right, there's some defucto going on in this too. Yeah, this is pretty. This is pretty defucked up, if you ask me. And if 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 the f word bothers you, folks, then I'm fucking sorry because we just used it a lot. Um, this is called. Uh, well, Chris Prudhomme is the guy we're talking about here. Um, this guy looks like a delinquent Le- Leonard from Big Bang Theory. He does. He really does. He really does. That's- he looks like Johnny Galecki if he went bad. Yeah. Now, the guy that they have to play this this uh, guy in the reenactment looks nothing like him. He looks like a nirvana reject or a grunge band reject like this guy looks absolutely nothing like the actual 
Prudholm. 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 He's a Prudhole. <laughs> Fucking He's pr- a Prudhole. Prudhole. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those guys that, like, if they pi- if they had picked an attractive guy to portray him in the segment, like, it wouldn't be far off, because he's not a bad-looking guy. He's a fucking piece of shit, though. Um, I can say someone's a piece of shit and still say that they're not bad-looking, right? Is that all right? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get into the case here. Um, in junior high and high school, Pam Littleton of Sulphur, Louisiana. Oh, Sulphur, Louisiana. Does it stink like sulfur in there? Where do they get these fucking names from? Where they, you know, the name. Why of- would you want to ever name your town after sulfur? I mean, the Native Americans had it right. You know, you look at all the names of of our states and some of our cities, and they're these these eloquent names that don't mean anything to us. We only think of the state: Nevada, Oklahoma, Canada. Florida. Well, Florida's Spanish. But, you know, my point is, they were eloquent names. And then you get the the waspy English that come in, and they're like, oh, we're going to name this sulfur. Because there's sulfur produced here in this particular patch of land. And then the name just sticks, and it's like, Jesus Christ. Anyway, (laughs) Pam Littleton of Sulfur, Louisiana, Louisiana! Was voted the most popular, the friendliest, and the prettiest girl in school. Yeah, and I, you, I can see why. You can definitely see why. Yeah, she's very beautiful. Woman. She's one of these chicks that uh, I've said this before on the podcast. If some of these girls on the on uh, these unsolved mysteries episodes, if they would just have a little bit of a 2017 makeover, they'd be so much hotter. But because they're doing the whole like fashion of the time, it's like you're attractive, but you could be so much more attractive without. A can of hairspray, an entire can of hairspray in your hair. And a plaid plaid jumper, shirt. some plaid jumper of some kind. Um, <laughs> so she was also a cheerleader and she was chosen homecoming queen. Now, I will go on record right now by saying me and this chick would probably not have gotten along in school. I probably no might have ventured. She wouldn't even, she would not have even given me the time of day. I might, I might venture as far as to say she might have been a bitch to some of the lesser kids but maybe she wasn't. I can't assume that. But when you're voted the prettiest, you're the homecoming queen, you're most popular, you're usually kind of a cunt to people who aren't also on that same level, that same stratosphere of popularity. I digress. After college, Pam married Eric Ellender, a bright up-and-coming businessman, because of course she's going to marry a bright up-and-coming businessman. They bought a house near Pam's parents, and Eric went to work for Pam's father. A year later, Pam gave birth to a baby girl, and the family circle was complete. According to Pam's father, Huey Littleton, nearly every day Pam would walk over to her parents' house with the baby for a visit. According to the father, Pamela, I guess, was the type of daughter that every father would dream of. She had dreamed of, a, of being a housewife and a mother. That was her ambition in life, and she was totally happy. I'm sorry if I read that. With was a- that really her ambition in life? <laughs> or was that just what you thought her ambition in life was? I'm sorry if I read that with a little bit of uh, jadedness in my voice just yeah, then. But yeah, I don't you're under- very jaded there. <laughs> I don't understand. Because there's people in the world where this is their big ambition. Is, yeah. is to pop out a kid and raise the kid and then die. And I just... You know, no offense, man, but that's just, I just don't understand it. Because for me, I'm like this artsy fuck who's making music and doing videos and stuff. And I, I just can't dream of having a kid or even a wife 
obligation situation in my life. So when I hear a phrase like that, she had dreamed of being a housewife and a mother. That was her ambition in his life. It's like, Jesus Christ. All right, man, teach their own. It was 8.45 p.m. on February 11th, 1991, the Monday before Mardi Gras. Pam's husband. Why does that have to matter? I know. What, what, <laughs> I was thinking that, too. What, what relevance does that have in the story? Uh, <laughs> Just get to hear uh, Robert Stack say Mardi Gras. <laughs> yeah. Pam's husband, Eric, called her at her mother's to say he was home from work. Pam left home, or she left for home 30 minutes later. The next afternoon, Huey Littleton got a phone call from his mother-in-law. He said, she says, Huey, I just left Pam and Eric's and something's wrong. They're in their bed. I have the baby. I'm back at your house. Call the sheriff. That's fucking ominous, if you ask me. Yeah, Good Lord. It is. I would not want to get a phone call like that. No, they're like they're in their bed. Like Something's else. wrong. That's it. The sheriff's unit met us at the gate, going into the yard and asked that we not go near the house. Also not a good sign. We learned Mm -mm. that Pam and Eric were dead, that both of them had been brutally shot with a shotgun, and that the fatal wounds were to their heads. All right, so pretty brutal so far. It gets worse. The only blessing was that Pam and Eric's daughter was left unharmed. Huey says that he and his wife were consumed by grief. So it's another one where uh, these killers killed... A couple people, then left behind the kid. So in that like fucking in twisted case. framework of thinking, there is some sense of decency, which is weird. Although you heard later that they thought about doing it, but then something came up and they weren't able to follow through. The father said, Huey, the father, it totally immobilized me. I couldn't cry. All I could do was say why and who. Eric's car had been stolen the night of the murders. 18-year-old Chris Prudholm and three of his friends were seen driving it in Baton Rouge. Prudholm was arrested and became the focus of the investigation. According to Huey, he confessed under oath that he killed Pam and Eric. He had no remorse for doing so. In fact, he was glad he did so. God damn. 17 days after the murders, Prudholm was found hanging by the neck in the jail shower room. In a suicide note found in his cell, Prudhomme took sole responsibility for the murders. He said, I enjoyed very much in the taking of those two individuals' lives, end quote. As far as the sheriff's department was concerned, the case was closed. But to Huey Littleton, there were too many questions left unanswered. A licensed licensed private detective, Huey began his own investigation. He came to believe that Chris Prudholm was a member of a satanic cult called the Skaters. <laughs> an acronym for Satan's Kids Against the Establishment. What kind of 1980s fucking... This is 90s, but yeah, I mean, this is this is one of the lamest gang names I've ever heard of in my life. Reminds me, I uh, mean, what kind of like fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja like the, Turtle, like the, sh- like the Foot Clan <laughs> wannabe bullshit is this? 
Like what kind of like what, what was these one of the uh, mem- if you can't be if, if you weren't able to get into the Foot Clan, you became a member of the skaters. <laughs> what kind of rejected fucking uh, uh, cut from the movie The Warriors? Did yeah, the- yeah. What kind of rejected Warriors <laughs> gang was this? Yeah, the I mean, if if the baseball furies were able to get into the Warriors, but the skaters weren't, I mean, geez, they they're pretty <laughs> pathetic. Uh, the skaters, geez. Was everything, was Satan gnarly? Did they think Satan was totally tubular? God. Uh, Satan's radical, man. (laughs) Satan's radical. God is heinous. Uh, (laughs) The girlfriend of one of the skaters told Huey about a meeting that took place the morning after Pam and Eric were killed. The witness said that the skaters were trying to make up an alibi for whoever was with Prudholm when the murders happened. She also said that Prudhomme and one accomplice had broken into the Ellender's house, planning only to burglarize it. But she said they were high on LSD and ended up murdering. Well, that explains it. Yeah. I mean, that explains the stupid name. Uh, <laughs> they're high on LSD. That explains why they ended up murdering Pam and Eric using one, one of Eric's shotguns that he had in his house. Makes you wonder if he didn't have any of those guns would have, have ended that same way. But I digress. Uh, feeling that many of the crucial facts were still unknown, Huey interviewed well over 100 witnesses. He was horrified when a girl named Nikki Alderson told him that just minutes after the murders, the skaters had held a party in Pam and Eric's house. Nikki said one of the first people she saw at the party was Chris Prudholm, quoting... <laughs> quoting um, the, the reenactment actor is not very good. Like He, he just shows up and he's like, hey, you know, he just sounds like... A, uh, it, like he, he sounds like he's like, like I said, he's like a, a grunge band reject, or he sounds like he's high in pot. Well, I guess he's supposed to be high in LSD, so I guess it might work. Quoting Huey here, he said, "They were all just standing around drinking alcohol, talking, and making different remarks about God and things like that." <laughs> I'm sorry, that's that's such a hack thing to talk about at like a uh, uh, these. Yeah, can you just imagine that? Like a Satanist get together, like. God's so lame, man. Yeah, I know. God totally sucks. Satan's awesome. <laughs> like, that's so hacky. Like, don't you guys have anything else going on? Like, or is, is Satan the only common interest you guys have? Uh, he goes on to say, you can kind of feel from the vibes of people that something uh, was kind of weird because everybody was in their own little world. Some were doing some drugs on the table. They had enough. Holy fuck. It's raining hard outside. Uh, all right. <laughs> Talking about a Satan makes it rain, apparently. Uh, They had enough drugs on the table where I could see from a distance what they were snorting. Okay. And and I should say, Huey was quoting what uh, Nikki had told him. So I'm quoting you like third-hand information right now. Nikki claims that she did not know that there were two dead bodies in the house until she was watching television the next day. She says, I was watching the news and I saw the house. I was like, oh, my God, I was at that house. Then I knew, you know, that the guys were there. They were the people I'd seen. And I'd come to the realization that I was there. Damn, that would have been just absolutely jaw-dropping and immobilizing, like the uh, dad said, to know that just some place you went to a party, this house was a murder house like holy fucking shit i mean that that really would be an oh my god moment 
moment for sure. According to Sheriff Wayne McElveen of the... What the fuck? How do you say that? Cal- couscous? Calcus? <laughs> Cal- Calcuso? Calcuso? Calcuso Paris Parish Sheriff's Department. He agreed to take a look at Huey Littleton's evidence. So Huey, the father of the murdered woman, he starts doing his own investigation. He starts digging stuff up, and then he convinces the uh, sheriff's department to look into it. Quoting the, uh, the, I guess, a sheriff here, he says, everything that he let us know about, we checked into and found out that it was not reliable information. Oh, okay. Uh, he didn't have enough factual information to bring the district's, attorney, the district's attorney's office. Okay, that's an awkward thing. It says district attorney, but it's got apostrophe S after both. District's attorney's office. I challenge you <laughs> to read that sentence cleanly, person listening who's getting frustrated. Also, everything that we reviewed, the district attorney reviewed, and so has the attorney general of the state of Louisiana, and the facts speak for themselves, end quote. So apparently this guy, maybe what he's bringing to them is just circumstantial. It's not definitive enough. But here's where it gets fucked up, if it wasn't already. The sheriff's department says they saw no evidence that there was a party at the house. However, Huey found one other person who confirmed Nikki's story. This witness added sickening details, claiming that the dead bodies of Pam and Eric were sexually molested by more than one person. What? Those claims were backed up by a man named Chip Richard. Although he was not at Pam and Eric's house, Chip says he saw the videotapes of what took place that night. Chip said, what I saw in the video was the people killing the Ellenders having sexual contact with them, just basically everything that really goes on, you know? No, I don't know, Chip. I don't know. Because normal people don't do that. (laughs) Chip, I am doubting your intelligence level by you even making a statement like that. Basically everything that really goes on, you know? Everything that really goes on, you know? You know, like killing somebody and filming it and then fucking their dead body. No, Chip! Wrong! Wrong answer, buddy! People don't do that shit. Nor should you be watching it, you sick fuck. By the way, those are called... Sn- that's like a snuff film. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Those are called snuff films for anybody wondering. And please, I beg you, don't look up snuff films for the love of God. If you want to keep... If, if, if the innocence of children and animals don't, still do anything for watch, you. Don't watch simulated snuff films either, like the piece of shit movie August Underground. Yeah, I don't even know what that is, and I'm not going to look into it. It's just, you it's know. a simulated snuff film that's absolutely horrible about this fat fuck who's going around torturing and killing people. And there's one scene where he goes in and grabs, he's he somehow, uh, somehow superhuman, he has superhuman strength apparently because he's able to take down everybody. And I'm like, this is a fat fuck who was still in high school. The fuck? And he's, he's grabbing people, and he's all like, sniff his ass! Sniff his ass! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, this is like the dark side of like shit here. I mean, when I think of this kind of things, like snuff films are basically people getting murdered and and defiled in every way you can think of, but it's real. It's not a movie. It really happens, and people videotape it, and I guess it gets on the internet. I'm guessing you could find it on the deep web, but fucking don't. I don't know why I'm even talking about it if I don't want you looking for it, (laughs) but like I'm not. I saw one snuff-esque film one time, it was uh, ISIS, or not ISIS, it was Al-Qaeda. This was back in uh, the 2000s. They had captured, well, yeah, there's the ISIS one, too, which is They, they had captured a plumber, 
and they decapitated him on camera and they sawed his head off. And uh, yeah, I wish I hadn't, uh, wish I hadn't uh, seen that. Wish I hadn't seen it. And after they saw his head off, which, you know, it's like just the little details that really fuck with you, that stick with you. Like how it took him a long time to get through the spinal cord oh, God. part of it. And then they like uh. they like held the dude's head up like in Mortal the game Mortal Kombat like when like a fatality and they rip the guy's head off and they hold it up like in victory. But this wasn't a video game. This really happened, and it's in my head forever. So, point is, people don't look up a snuff film. So going back to the story here, after telling you that fucking just awful, I, I don't know how you're gonna recover from that. <laughs> you know, people like bitch about like the fact that we curse a lot on here, but it's like I'm sorry, and I've said this before, but I can't talk about these sick cases like this and not use language like fuck and shit and what the hell and yeah, I, I can't say yeah. I don't see how these other podcasts are able to do that. I don't see how they're able to talk about a dead body being sexually molested and then be like, wow, that is some crazy, crazy stuff. <laughs> well, that's a wild and crazy story. I'll tell you that much. Um, I don't see how they're able to do that. So I don't, I don't get, I don't, that's, I guess it's just, it comes with practice, I guess, because they practice that. For, um, for but, me, my gut, my gut reaction tells me, fuck that. What the hell is yeah. wrong with you? I don't know. Yeah. So Huey's attention focused on 18-year-old Robert Adkins, one of the three men arrested with Prudhomme in Baton Rouge. Bobby Adkins, I guess they're nicknaming him now, was charged only in one connection with the theft of the vehicle. But according to a friend named Sean Moody, there was more. Bobby took me in his backyard. He told me that he wanted to tell me what had happened because he needed to get it off his chest, end quote. While out on bail, Atkins alleged, allegedly told Sean Moody that he was at the house when Chris Prudhomme killed the Ellenders. He told me they were looking around for valuables, him and Chris, and they had found a gun, a shotgun. And when they entered the master bedroom, the wife woke up. Chris shot the wife first, and then the husband had woken, and Chris shot him. According to Chip Richard... The guy who was like, uh, you know, the normal stuff that goes on in these kind of videos. Uh, according to Chip Richard, Atkins said that Prudhomme didn't murder anyone, but had volunteered to take the fall of loyalty to their satanic cult. Quote, he had told me that Chris was taking the rap for him because Chris was becoming the leader in the cult. Basically, everybody that was with him worshipped him and, you know, would do anything for him. No, Chris, we don't know. You fucking idiot. <laughs> and in return, he had to do the same for them that they would do for him, end quote. Huey interviewed more witnesses looking for someone who could identify the actual shooter. Finally, he found Pearl Fruget. Pearl said her cousin Kim Man Manuel claimed to have witnessed the murders firsthand. Huey wanted Kim's story tape recorded and asked Pearl to help. The next day, Pearl recorded a conversation with Kim's permission. Kim described the murders in detail, but never admitted on tape to being in the house herself. Pearl played the tape before a grand jury. For, for Huey Littleton, the moment was the pinnacle of his investigation. Quote, after hearing a lot of testimony, I mean, from many witnesses, the grand jury returned an indictment of two counts of second-degree murder against Kim Manuel. Some believe the indictment was a legal maneuver to pressure Kim Manuel into identifying other possible suspects. If so, the plan failed. 
Kim Manuel's court-appointed public defender, John Laverney, called a press conference. He claimed that Pearl Fruget was lying and that the tape had been scripted and rehearsed. Pearl Fruget stands by her story, quoting Pearl here, we never, made the, we never made up the tape. I never lied. What I told them was the truth, and Kim knows it's the truth. I can't change what she told me, and I'm not going to make up another story just to make her look good. One year later, the charges against Kim Manuel were dropped. Huey Littleton was crushed, and according to Sher- Sheriff McElveen, he had lost his cre- credibility with the authorities. Quote, We felt sorry for him at first, but we got to deal with the facts. When you go before a jury, a judge and jury, jury, he won't be able to bring all those accusations. He'll have to deal with facts. And I think any grand jury, any district attorney, any attorney in general will agree with that. Huey Littleton just wants justice served. Quoting him here, I'm at peace with the fact uh, with what I'm doing because we're doing the right thing. We just want to see that those that participated in the murders of Eric and Pam and the cover-up and the destruction of evidence brought to justice. On and there is actually an update. And this is a, a case that was actually solved. On February 9th, 1995, Robert Atkins was indicted for the murders of Eric and Pam. Philip Ledoux was... And, well, Philip Ledoux and uh, Kurt Dragon Reese... What a badass. Yeah. <laughs> were charged as accessories after the fact. They were the ones originally arrested along with Chris Prudhomme in 1991. Five years later, Atkins entered a plea of two counts of manslaughter. The district court judge sentenced him to two 20-year sentences to run concurrently with credit for four years served for helping steal Eric's car. However, the judge suspended the 16-year sentence and placed him on five years probation. He soon violated probation on several occasions, times... Uh, so, uh, whoever wrote this fucked up and put times there where it didn't need to be there. So he soon violated probation on several occasions and received minor punishment for the probation violation. What? That's just about as upsetting as the necrophilia to me. I mean, what the fuck? Wow, dude. Not only... Philip Ledoux was found guilty of being an accessory after the fact and was sentenced to four years in prison. Kurt the Dragon Reese, no relation to Don the Dragon Wilson, pleaded guilty to being an accessory after the fact and was sentenced to two years in prison. Authorities no longer believe that anyone else was involved in the murders and the case is now considered closed. Man, there is uh, there's the the comments are kind of hot on the unsolved.com here. I I didn't look into this, but holy shit. Um, so you get one guy named Zero commenting on here saying, "Let it be known by someone who knows Chris was alone. He killed Pam and Eric in the manner described by the sheriff's office. I know everyone involved. Chris was alone, Mister Littleton. I sat at your desk so many years ago and told you this. One day before God, you'll know that Chris was alone!" Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Sean, you have caused everyone involved so much pain with your lies. Please let the truth be known by a skater. <laughs> he got, we got skaters th- here. Then he goes on to say, I was a skater in Sulphur, and we were friends with everyone involved. Let it be known Chris acted alone. Huey, God bless your soul. I promise Chris acted alone. I told you that in your office so long ago, and you will know that when you stand before God. Yeah, he's basically uh, repeating himself. Um, and he goes on to say, Kim was a naive skater scared child um then you got this other that is the truth to it all that is the truth to it all 
<laughs> then you got this chick named Anne so on I guess here. She sounds like John Lovitz now, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Acting! <laughs> <laughs> I, I like John Lovitz. I, I pretty much like anything he's in for some reason. Yeah, there's, dude, this is uh, pretty interesting. Um, this chick named Anne on here says, Chip Richard was not a credible witness at the time. You are very correct! With the exclamation points. <laughs> and that statement is coming... Uh, come and get from a person who loved him so much that her life was forever changed because of his absence. My baby brother was coerced by a man Huey Littleton hired as a PI. You will never convince me that Pam or her husband were in any way involved with drugs. Mr. and Mrs. Littleton and the Ellenders, as well as the daughter they left behind. Many prayers have been said for y'all. I'm still so sorry for your loss. Further, don't judge my brother according to an ex-wife. Ooh. I love how these people are, are on here, yeah. like, talking and shit. Um... Lifelong sulfur resident uh, comments, uh, Chip Richard was not a reliable witness as far as I'm concerned. I know his ex-wife and his two sons fairly well. Sadly, we'll never know the truth because he was murdered by Paul Falcon and Robert Sargent Jr. almost two years ago in his front yard. It is amazing to me that the CPSO have never released Prudholm's alleged confession video to the public or the suicide letter in its entirety. There are so many screwy variables in this case, and 26 years later, we are no closer to the truth than we were back then. Yeah, so the whole uh, raping the dead bodies thing. That was all pretty much conjecture from what I'm yeah, gathering. Yeah, that could just be made up and didn't actually happen. But I mean, it, it even just the thought of it is royally fucked up you know and and, and i gotta i gotta agree at the end of this uh at the end here where where they uh where huey littleton lost credibility with the authorities um and and where where the um sheriff McElveen is quoted by saying and I, it bears repeating here we felt sorry for him at first but we gotta deal with the facts when you go before a judge yeah. and jury he won't be able to bring all those accusations. He'll have to deal with facts. And I think any grand jury, any DA, any uh, attorney general will agree with that. Right. That's that, that's what didn't happen to the West Memphis Three, which I got to keep bringing up because it's just uh, such a pornographic display of it, of jury fuckery and injustice that it, it now sets the standard in my mind anytime I... Uh, I, mm -hmm. I always got to uh, second guess now. I think before when we would deal with these unsolved mysteries on the podcast, I would always kind of be in the witch hunt mode. I'd be like, fuck these guys. You know, unsolved mysteries said it happened this way, so it must have. But now I am more kind of skeptical, I should say, because yeah. I see how people can get so royally screwed, especially in this time period with the satanic panic and all this other kind of shit. And maybe there was a satanic panic for for uh, it was maybe it was justified to a certain extent because goddamn there seemed to be a lot of satanic cults around the late eighties early nineties. Or is that I mean yeah. uh, we've covered a lot of like satanic you know related cults and stuff in the show and I guess that was kind of a fad back then almost like in the late nineties like Wicca I remember was was really big in my school like a lot of. The kids were experimenting with Wicca and Wiccan, which, you know, Wicca by no means is anywhere close to. Like, Might have been because of the film The Craft yeah. and then the popularity of books like Harry Potter and things I like think that. So. I think so. I really do think Harry Potter had a lot to do with it. This was like 99. I was in elementary school. Uh, even even the girls in elementary, the fifth graders were like talking about 
sacred spaces and spells and all this other kind of stuff. And, you know, mm-hmm. so, I mean, maybe that was a, just a yet another fad that was going on. You know, I, I don't think any of these. Well, ki- I, I definitely think Prudholm did it. I mean, I, I do believe he's, you know, I, I think he is the one who did all of this. I mean, there, there's too many people I mean, who have come forward. The fact that he killed himself the in jail. The fact that there's after. other people, uh, did other people, were other people involved? That That is a little bit more fishy to me. But I still think if somebody gets a sentence, I, I'm sorry, like if they're a, a, a piece of shit person, which seems to me like uh, Bobby was, I don't really, <laughs> I don't think they deserve to get let off. I really don't. Damn it, Bobby. Uh, so there's another uh, quote, uh, comment. This time is from John Roberts. He says, A well-informed person for a coast investigation told me that after several years of research, it was determined that this was a hit paid for by a drug dealer from out of state. The flaw was in using the skaters to do the job. Being just kids, they got confused or were not adequately informed. And as a result, the home they hit was three doors down from the real target. This kind of makes sense. The home of the real target was similar in appearance, occupied by a married couple of the same race and about the same age, and with one child about the same age. They were from another state, and the man was working temporarily but full-time. He and his wife were dealing cocaine and owed a large sum of money for drugs fronted to them by their supplier. They had a vehicle that was similar but not the same. They left town within a day or two later and have never returned. The killer simply hit the wrong house and killed the wrong people. That makes a lot more sense than... uh than as far as an explanation yeah it seems very viable so okay so i highly doubt this is legitimate but a a commenter from july 7 2015 uh under the username pearl fruget said guilty people go away with taking the lives i guess she meant to say got away (laughs) With taking the lives of two innocent people and leaving a child without a mother. I'm glad y'all believe the case was solved and closed, but it will never be until Bobby, a.k.a. Robert Atkins, serves his time! Exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> Damn it, Bobby. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That, that, was a really, that was a really fucked up case, but, you know, it's it's really the the core of Unsolved Mysteries, uh, like, raw. You know, yeah. raw Unsolved Mysteries, like... Where where it hits you below the belt in in a man, this is a powerful show. Art is supposed to make you feel. It's supposed to make you angry, sad, happy. As long as you feel something, art has achieved its purpose. That happened with this episode for me. Yeah, yeah. When I watch an unsolved mysteries episode and I'm just like, yeah, you know, all right, whatever. Then you know that's that's not. It, I still like the show, but it's not as uh, I guess potent powerful whatever you want to call it this Mm -hmm. this along with like the roswell case for me along with the black hope curse this one hits you and you're like damn that's that's fucked up something's going on here for sure so um those are our two segments for this week let's move on to our bonus set uh thing that we're gonna do in in and it's actually unsolved mysteries related it's not just a bunch of random news yeah and this is a list from ranker called uh, unsolved mysteries where are they now let's let's make up this uh, little rule for this article if neither of us really remember the uh, a case that they're talking about let's just skip it because i there's some in here that like i don't remember like i remember all of these oh do you yeah well for the most part yeah. it. then i guess we're gonna talk about all of them 
Uh, you just you want to go back and forth? Do we want to read this paragraph up here? Yeah, yeah. Let's go back and forth. We don't re need to read the paragraph. All right. Okay, you go ahead. First one is D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper is the alias of an unidentified man who hijacked a Boeing 727 claiming he had a bomb and successfully ransomed the plane's safety for $200,000 before disappearing from the plane. Now. And this is... Now. Following Cooper's daring escape, the FAA cracked down on airline safety. Cracked down on airline safety. <laughs> and the number of sky hijackings dropped significantly. As of 2011, the FBI was still trying to solve this case. The posthumously, they posthumously investigated an Oregon man who was reported by his niece, but what little DNA evidence they were able to find turned out to be inconclusive. Which, we kind of already knew that about D.B. Cooper anyway. Next, we have the Gulf Breeze UFO incident. Then, Ed Waters, a contractor living in Gulf Breeze, Florida, claimed that in 1987, he had a series of UFO sightings. After providing photos to UFOologists... He claims his claim seems somewhat more substantiated, but the sightings remain unverified. Now, in the early 90s, after Ed Waters' disastrous bid for city council, quote, uh, in parentheses, I go, he was running on the I saw an alien once platform. A family moved into the home that Waters was living in during the period of his sightings and found a model of one of the UFOs from the original photos. Waters still maintains that he saw something in the sky over Gulf Breeze in 1987 and claims that the model was planted by quote-unquote professional debunkers. Yeah, yeah. It's Walters, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the, the oh, good old Ed Walters. Uh, I find that hilarious, that whoever wrote, wrote that part. He was running on the I Saw an Alien Once platform. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine like you're you're going up for city council and are like I saw a UFO, okay? That's why I am qualified for city council. Yeah, like I saw a UFO that. and I saw little green men <laughs> that came out of the spaceship and they said that I would be really good for the city council. In Gulf Reese. Yeah, the guy before him was like, we need to allocate the funds from the state to uh, better our roads and our education system. And uh, that's a commitment that I'm willing to make to the city. And then that's my time. Thank you very much. And then Ed, Ed Walters gets up. I, I saw a UFO one time. It was crazy, <laughs> man. It was fucking nuts. This was paid for by Ed Walters and the UFOologist Society of Gulf Reese, Florida. <laughs> The next one is Gail Delano, and this is this is one of the most tragic segments ever aired on this show. Then, in 19, then in 1986, Gail Delano went missing from her home in Maine following a blind date. Two years later, she ended up on Unsolved Mysteries in, in a bid by her family to track her down. Now, now, <laughs> shortly after Delano's episode aired, the Maine State Police reported that her body had been found surrounded by prescription medication in an Alabama motel room. They believe she faked her disappearance, flew to Alabama, and committed suicide. Whoa, 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 wait. What happened two years later? She ended up on some missing bid to track her family, for buy her family, track her down. <laughs> Jesus Christ, excuse me. <laughs> that was my reaction to that. Sorry. That You know why? Because that's, that's nothing to sneeze at, that case there. No. I was sneezing away no. from it. So what, she just, like, went and killed herself and her family? Yeah. So sad. Yeah, that's kind of fucked up. Sorry, I'm making that noise. I had to scratch my throat. So well, in the segment, too, she sounded like... I mean, it appeared that she was very lonely. And it, it was just... 
Yeah, that one just really gets me every time I see it. It's just, it's really depressing. All right, up next we have the case of Jeremy Bright. Then, Jeremy Bright, age 14, disappeared in 1986 while attending a carnival. Initially, the police believed that the boy ran away with the carnival. But after an anonymous tip from an inmate, they began to suspect foul play. Now, a week after Bright's case was featured on Unsolved Mysteries, one of the prime suspects, Bright's former babysitter, was arrested for stabbing his mother. As of 2016, Bright is still considered missing, although his family presumes him to be dead. Wow. The next case is the case of Michaela Garrick. Then, in 1988... After riding her scooter to the store with a friend, Michaela Garrick forgot her scooter on the walk home. When she returned to pick it up, a man jumped out of a car, grabbed her, and then drove off. Now, as of 2012, the FBI still believe that Garrick's case was solvable, and they hope that after the return of J.C. Lee Duggard, another girl who was kidnapped in broad daylight, less than 100 miles from Garrick, they would be able to track down a lead. The murder of Diana Robertson. Then... In 1985, a series of murders occurred in the woods surrounding Mineral, Washington that were dubbed the Tube Sock Killings due to a tube sock being tied around the female victim's neck in each case. First, Stephen Harkins and Ruth Cooper were murdered while on a camping trip at Tool Lake. This was followed by the discovery of the body of Diana Robertson in the area a few months later. What makes this murder even more chilling is that Robertson and her boyfriend's daughter were found wandering alone in the Kmart in the area. The boyfriend, Mike Reimer was a prime suspect in all three of the murders. Now, in 2011, hikers discovered a partial human skull that was later determined to be that of Mike Reimer, making him the fourth victim rather than the perpetrator of the tube sock killings. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, this is a case that is not on Amazon, which is ironic because they have a photo from Amazon on this article. The Marfa Lights. Then, since the 19th century, the Marfa Lights have intrigued and captivated all sorts of UFO enthusiasts, stoners, dorks, and people with I-want-to-believe bumper stickers. Jeez. In 1989, Unsolved Mysteries delved into the possible origins of the lights. Could they be a ghost of a vengeful native spirit? Are they simply refracted starlight? Robert Stack found the results to be inconclusive. Now, in 2004, a group of physics students... From the UT, Dallas spent four days investigating the lights, and they came to the conclusion that the Marfa lights are nothing more than the headlights of cars traveling down Interstate 67. Or are they? That's bullshit, though, because they said even before there was cars and highway systems, like yeah. like pilgrims, not pilgrims, but like cowboys back in the day, thought they were uh, Indian campfires. So explain that, you jackleg. <laughs> jackleg. College students. Fuck Jack I, I hate all these like articles that act like college students, like like when a university of wherever the fuck set, has, comes out with some finding that's supposed to be like the end all be all, uh, you know, case closed kind of thing. It's like, yeah, they're they're college students. You know how much weed and alcohol college students consume. I'm not believing them. If they told me uh, a, a community of senior citizens have found that. This, you know, is true or false. That I would believe because senior citizens have so much time on their hands and are so bored that, you know, <laughs> they're going to get on a case. It's going to take much, much longer to solve it because they have to take naps and take their medications and all that. But I just feel like it'd be credible if they remember to tell people that they solved the case. That is, I guess. Um, <laughs> moving on to the pizza parlor killer. Then... In 1991, a string of random spree killings occurred in Sacramento, California that claimed the life of five people over two weeks. 
Three of the victims were employees at the Round Table Pizza Parlor. Now! Damn. Weeks after the initial broadcast of the Pizza Parlor Killer episode, Eric Royce Leonard was apprehended, and following a trial, he was sentenced to the death penalty in 1996. If you look at this guy, he definitely doesn't look like a killer, does he? He just looks like a neighbor. He looks like a very, very, very young David Crosby from the group Crosby, Stills, and Nash. (laughs) He's got the porn stash going, though. Everybody everybody had that back then. That was like, uh, that's nothing They had both. They had the porn stash and mullet combo going. Oh, yeah. Especially in Florida, I'm sure. Next one is the single signal, the signal mountain murders. Then when Richard Mason, Kenneth Griffin and Earl Smock decided to take their ATVs to a lake near Chattanooga, the last thing that they expected was to be gunned down. But in 1988, their bodies and vehicles were discovered on the private property. of Frank Castile, a man who was known to complain about trespassers. Now, nine after nine years after the murders, Frank Castile was fi- finally found guilty of triple homicide, despite there being no physical evidence tying him to the case. In 2003, he appealed to the he appealed the ruling, but but, but, blah, 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 but was once again found guilty of the slangs. I murdered the English language there. I apologize, but at the same time, that was really hard for me to read without kind of losing it a little bit because like there's nothing that ties him to it. Like, there's no physical evidence whatsoever. Like, how can you convict somebody of triple homicide without any of that? I don't know, man. It's some crazy shit. That's one that we will definitely cover on the on the podcast sometime. Is, do you know if that one's on the... Uh... Well, I'm sure. It's on Amazon, but it's one that I'm going to have to write extensive notes on because it's, the wikia sucks and there's no unsolved. All right, up next we have the Las Cruces. Cruces? the fuck is that c it's c-r-u-c-e-s cruces cruces god damn you know the english language isn't the only language that just like throws all the rules out the window spanish does that spanish does i think it's cruces i think that's what it is the lost cruces bowling alley murders i don't remember this one then in early 1990 two gunmen robbed the lost cruces bowl in (laughs) new mexico shooting seven people including children god yeah Four of whom died. The murderers, the murderers also attempted to burn the bowling alley down, but to no avail. Well, yeah, I mean, there's like brick and mortar and shit. What are you thinking? Now, the murders still remain unsolved, although the documentary A Nightmare in Las Cruces was re- released two decades after the slayings in order to shine some light on the horrific incident. Uh, that sounds like a good, do- it would be a good documentary. Yeah. The next one is the murder of Angela Cummings. Then. In 1990, a call was placed into the Kevin and Bean morning show on the radio station KROQ. K-Rock. Where the caller claimed to... K-Rock. Oh, it's this, this, these fucking guys. Yeah. Where the caller claimed to have committed a murder. Many people believe that the mystery caller was admitting to the murder of Angela Cummings, a woman who was found shot dead in her boyfriend's apartment in Yuba, California. Now. After Unsolved Mysteries aired, Angela's segment twice once aired her segment twice, once in 1990 and again in 1991, Kevin and Bean revealed that the entire thing had been a hoax. We fucking knew that. This website sucks. Like, I, like, this yeah. is not anything, this is, this is for, like, the casual fans, quote-unquote, I guess, because this is, like... Well, there was some stuff that I didn't know, but, yeah, most of it, yeah. Alright, uh, I, I actually like your deep voice for the then and now, so I'm gonna uh, copy that for mine as well. The Connecticut <laughs> River Valley Killer. Then... 
1978 to 1987, an unidentified serial killer operated throughout the Connecticut River Valley, where he would frantically stab women to death and sometimes sexually assault them. In 1988, Jan Borowski managed to survive 27 stab wounds that were inflicted by the killer and provided the police with an accurate description of what he looked like. Now. The case went cold after Borowski's escape, but there were a couple of suspects tied to the murders. One who had attempted to kill a woman in a similar manner and another who quickly moved away from the Northeast after attempted murder of Borowski. A second suspect later committed suicide after murdering his wife and children? I am, like, getting desensitized to this stuff, man. Like, God, how much more can I take? Baron 52, then. At the tail end of the Vietnam War, a surveillance plane carrying eight members of the Air Force was shot down over Laos. When the plane was recovered, the remains of four of the crewmen were missing, leading to speculation speculation about whether they had been captured. Even if they had been captured, according to the Paris Peace Accord, the men couldn't be re- could not be returned from a POW camp because the flight took place a week after the U.S. had officially ended their involvement in the Vietnam War and was therefore illegal. Now, in 1995, it was revealed that the U.S. government considers the four missing crewmen accounted for despite their disappearance and that almost half of the cases of MIA soldiers will never be solved. On purpose or, hmm, I don't know. Gotta, you gotta wonder. All right, Little Miss Lake Panas. Oh my God, guys, Panasofsky. Okay, Panasofsky. You know, but Panasofsky. But but <laughs> it sounds like I'm the worst reader in the world. But these, anyway. Then. In 1992, Unsolved Mysteries ran an episode that focused on discovering the identity of a woman whose body was found decomposing with a man's belt around her neck off Interstate 75 in Illinois in 1971. The attempt to identify the body was unsuccessful. Now. In 2012, the University of South Florida performed an isotope analysis on the woman's body and discovered that she was an immigrant from Greece who had come to America only three months prior to her death. The Sumter County Does. Then, on the morning of August 9th, 1976, the bodies of two people, Jane and John Doe, were discovered by a local hermit. <laughs> a local they hermit. They were both shot in the back, and neither of, neither of the bodies carried any identification. It was believed at the time that the two Does were brother and sister. As You, you can see this in the photo. Yeah. They definitely look related. Now... Despite finding the murder weapon, no one was ever charged with the murder of the two does. In 2007, the bodies were exhumed, and after DNA testing, it was proved that the man and woman were not brother and sister. Just two vain individuals who wanted to be with someone who looked just like the other one. That's like if you dated a chick that looked like you, Mike. Would you want that? Uh, no. I wouldn't mind it for myself. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) That was fucking weird. Why did I say that? Because um, you already know what you what <laughs> what she'd look like. <laughs> well, I, that's true. That's true. I've done I have done a couple videos where I've dressed in drag. It was for the sake of a character that I was playing. Okay, that's what the story I'm sticking with. You know, it's funny the amount of people who think I want to be transgender now after seeing those videos. They're like, oh, you you dress like a girl a lot. Yeah, because I don't know any women who want to act in my YouTube videos. Well. That's I, I guess I do, but sometimes it's just easier for me to play all the. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I'm I'm <laughs> skipping the heirs of Walter Rice because who gives a shit? All right, Kansas City arsonist. 
then. On Thanksgiving Day 1988, the Kansas City Fire Department was dispatched to a trailer fire only to be greeted by a massive explosion that killed six yeah, firefighters. this one was insane. Yeah, I just watched this one, actually. It was discovered in the following investigation that large amounts of explosives had been purposefully placed in the trailer by an unknown arsonist. Now, after a segment on the Kansas City arsonist ran in 95, five people were implicated in the arson and murder and sentenced to life in prison. Allegedly... There were more people involved in the plot, but there wasn't enough evidence to corroborate that story. I already knew that. That was an update they gave us on the show. The next one is the Oakville Blobs. Oh, you're getting all the ones I want to read. Then, over a period of three weeks in Oakville, Washington, a blanket of rain fell that contained a gelatinous substance with a consistency similar to jello. After the first appearance of the blobs, various community members came down with a flu-like illness that lasted for the length of the globby rainfall. A lot of crazy theories immediately popped up. The two most agreed upon were that the blobs were a military experiment or that the globs were something called star jelly. There is now, star jelly waiting in the sky. It'd like to come and meet us, but it might blow our... Anyway. <laughs> A sample of the goo was brought to the Washington State Department of Health, and after some tests, it was discovered that the gel was made up of two types of toxic organisms that probably caused the flu-like symptoms. After this discovery, the theory about military involvement with the goo exploded, and after suspicions were raised, the sample of the jelly disappeared. All right, you know what? The, again, this is shit that they... Fuck this article and all the rest of these. They already told... We already knew this stuff. Well, some of them I didn't know, but yeah. Really? Because these are the all like part. updates. Like they, because the sample, like I knew the sample of the blob was lost. Yeah. That was a crazy right. segment. We've talked about that one, haven't we? The blob. Yep. Yeah, but I think it was an early one we did with like crappy. You know, I, it really like, audio. it really bums me out <laughs> that like some of my favorite segments I, I decided to cover early on in the podcast because I was like just really gung ho and. You know, fuck it, we could do it again sometime. Yeah, I I thought about, like, remastering it and, like, redoing it, like, with good audio. Because, like, I look back at, like, our first, like, seven episodes, and I'm like, oh, man, those are all the cases I wanted. You know, those (laughs) are my favorite cases. Because I didn't... Well, I mean, we're going to do Son of Sam sometime, so... Yeah, that's an all right one, but... Like, main... No, I'm just saying, like, that was just terrible. Like, the, 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 the segment... Uh, discussion we did on that was horrible. Yeah, like, that's easily one of the worst that we've done. Low energy. Um. Yeah. Like, I, I guess I, I didn't. I didn't like know how long the podcast was going to last when we first started. So I was like, I'm getting out the big hitters out the get. You know, mm-hmm. right out the gate. You know, and uh, so that's why I chose all those ones like right up front. But now, you know, 65 episodes later since the first episode, uh, I'm kind of like wishing I had saved some of those like a fine like Cabernet that you might bring out of your winery for a special occasion you know oh it's our mm-hmm. 100th episode let's talk about Roswell you know but yeah I don't know might still talk about it. well I'll tell you what Bill I think that's all we got for this week alright I guess we can pick up where we left off with this list I don't I don't really want to do that. I don't I don't like none of this shit's new to me. Like You don't talk about you don't want to talk about Michael Brown? <laughs> Is there a Michael Brown on here? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, let's do Michael Brown and, and that'll be it with this article. 
Okay. You you do it, Mike. <laughs> well, I thought you would cover it since you're next, but well, your name's Mike Brown. <laughs> okay. Michael Wayne Brown. Then, after killing a man in cold blood while robbing his insurance firm, Michael Wayne Brown, which is, this is really crazy because my middle initial is also W. So this fucking guy has essentially the same name that I use for a lot of different things. So Michael W. Brown. Yeah, when I, when I first saw this segment, I was like, what? Damn it, man, you're giving the Michael Browns bad name <laughs> with your fucking... Redneck ass, hairy egg. nipple having, motherfucking <laughs> mullet having, porn stash wearing. What what is the function of nipple hair exactly? Can someone explain that to me? I mean, it's insurance firm robbing, murdering ass. Well, I don't think he actually murdered anybody, but yeah, this guy was just. I like I like how I like how the picture of this guy was literally like a still off of a VHS tape. Like you yeah. can see the little the little the line that goes across the picture at the bottom where yeah. you stop. You know you hit pause on the picture. Uh-huh. I love I love that that's that's the stop that's the photo that they got. That's the only that's the best yeah. thing they could come up with. <laughs> so uh, Michael Wayne Brown was sentenced to death in the Oklahoma prison where he actually did kill someone. So he is a murdering. So he is a murderer. He's a robbing, murdering. Mullet wearing, porn stash wearing, Harry nipple having, Michael Browns everywhere. So he was sentenced to death in the Oklahoma prison, where he met Donna Moses. He and Donna would get married in 1984, and a few months later, she would help him and another inmate escape the facility. After disappearing, Donna and Michael split up, but she never returned home for fear of prosecution. Now, after the segment on some mysteries aired, Michael Brown was tracked down to a Kettering, Ohio video store, where he gave himself up to police. That's one thing I have in common with that guy. Yeah, that, with this Michael Brown. He's also in a fucking video store and his name's Michael <laughs> Brown. <laughs> what the fuck? That is hilarious. I wonder if he liked Creep Show as much as you as well. Jeez. We'll never know. All right, folks, that's the end of the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. I hope you enjoyed our live stream, all six of you who watched. Um, we'll definitely be doing that again soon. Join the damn uh, fa- our Facebook group, uh, Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries, so you can see when we when the five minutes before we decide to tell people that we're doing a live stream, you can s- catch us, you know, yeah. five minutes beforehand. Do it. Do it now. Do it now. Come on, do it. Don't do it. Do it now. Do it. Do it. Don't think about it. Just do it. Um, as far as, uh, like, if, if this isn't enough entertainment for you, then guess what? You're in fucking luck because we have YouTube channels and Mike's YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. It is the bomb. He does movie reviews and he sits in a chair. I would watch his videos, but frankly, I don't care. My YouTube channel is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts, and that shit's the bomb. I do videos of video game reviews, and I do some other views not on the news. <laughs> um, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm hungry. That's what's going on right now. I guess uh, you're you're not you when you're not. when you're hungry, Josh. Dude, I'm not. Uh, you turn into vanilla ice. So here, have a Snickers. 
Ow, you shoved it into my ear. It went straight through the headphone into my headphone. Uh, man, it would take it would it would not be very difficult to like re-edit these podcasts and make them sound very gross. Um so yeah, I'm I'm starving and I I'm I'm uh, delirious. Um uh, so I hope you guys enjoy- get something to eat. Uh, I got to drive to my <laughs> All right, so this is my fucking night tonight. I'm going to be driving to Applebee's um off JTB if anybody lives in Jacksonville, J Turner Butler Boulevard. I'm going to be sitting on the back fucking patio for 3 hours playing music for people who don't give a shit that I'm there and I get a free meal out of it, but it's boring. But I can't complain. But that's going to be my night tonight. So you're not even going to hear this until Monday, most of you. But just know, like, two days ago, my life was a little boring. But there's so much bigger problems in the world that you shouldn't even care. So, anyway, that's all the time we have. And uh, <laughs> this is like one of those... Um, uh, another typical awkward ending to the to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, look, we don't have sponsors. We don't have, like fancy music well we do have fancy music that comes in um by the way people have been buying my shit here and there my dancing with ghost stuff i really 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 appreciate that that's so awesome because uh you know put a lot of time and effort and love into that stuff so uh thank you so much but uh yeah so look us up on youtube to subscribe to us we love you we love you we love you um have a good rest of your night bye see ya What's up, guys? The new Dancing with Ghosts album that I have been working on is out now. You can buy it on iTunes or Bandcamp.com or anywhere else online where music is sold. Uh, If you go on Bandcamp, you can get a CD, a compact disc. Isn't that old school and retro of me? Remember those? Uh, Or you could just message me on Facebook and say, hey, I want a copy of your CD and I will mail it out to you. But uh, yeah, it's out now and it is it is finished and it's uh, it's good stuff. So uh, if you want to go out and check that out, then uh, like I said, search iTunes anywhere else. uh, Music is sold online or go to Bandcamp.com and search Dancing with Ghosts. Thank you. I'm so fucking pissed off right now. Really? Yes. God. Ah, oh, I'm fucking pissed. Damn. Motherfucking Super Nintendo Classic comes out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same fucking bullshit that's happening uh-huh. with the NES Classic is happening with the Super Nintendo Classic. Well, yeah. I I I hate to be this guy, but I told you so. All right, and it's one thing. It's fucking one thing. I'm trying not to yell right into the mic. It's fucking one thing for random anonymous scalpers to put it on on Craigslist. But a dude I know that I went to high school with, his name's Chris. Oh. Tip- his name's Chris Tipton. I don't care if I fucking dox his ass. You can look his. <laughs> you can fucking look him up and call him a fucking greasy piece of shit. He posts a picture of an SNES classic on on Facebook, and he goes, uh, "Got these? Who wants one?" And and I thought maybe okay, here's here's a here's a dumbass who doesn't know anything about video games. Maybe he came upon one, and he's just trying to get them to people who do want one. Oh, okay, whatever. So I was like, I comment, "Oh, I want one." 
he fucking messages me today, uh, or when I wake up, I look at my phone, and he messaged me on Facebook Messenger, and he goes, $160 for the SNES. They're 80 <laughs> They retail for 80 well, yeah, of course. They're gonna, they're gonna, you know, they want to make a profit, so they're gonna sell it for twice, for double, double the price. And I say, really, you're I lucky it wasn't triple. No, uh, I go or quadruple. I, I go, really, you're scalping. I said, no thanks. And what you're doing is shitty, by the way. And he goes, <laughs> not really. I got up early and got them. Anyone could have. Those that couldn't pay the cost of me running around all night and morning getting them. Dot dot dot. And I said, you got them with the sole purpose of scalping them instead of letting the people who legitimately yeah. wanted them to have them. I said, yeah. it's very sleazy and it's an asshole uh -huh. move. That's the thing. It's like this guy who went to a flea market and he went there early. And what he did is he just blatantly lied that he was a vendor. And then he just cleaned the entire flea market of all of the games, pretty much. Yeah, because he just went there early and lied and and bullshitted his way, and then just got all the games. Yeah, I understand. Yes, the sellers and he's fucking they want, and he's they make bragging. money, and he's, I understand why they want to make money. But this guy shot a video and put it on YouTube where this guy's just blatantly say you know bluffing and lying and saying he's a vendor and he's not. And then just walked away with all these games. Apparently so, yeah. being a braggadocious asshole is part of being a scalper because that's the same shit this kid's doing, this Chris kid. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, I got it. He's being all cute and cheeky about well, it. Yeah, that happens all the time when, when you see videos where people are talking about scalpers and they're talking shit on about them uh, and they're shitting on scalpers, which they deserve, by the way. They're all like, well, it's not my fault that you blah, blah, blah. It's the same fucking bullshit where you could have bought one. You could have gotten this, you know, da, 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 da. Yeah, it's like, but did anybody ask you to buy fucking 17 of them, asshole? That's my yeah. problem with it, you know? It's I, mean, like, and then you, I mean, Nintendo, though, isn't completely not at fault either. No. I mean, they oh, fucked absolutely. up with the Nintendo Classic by only having limited amounts available in the first place, giving, like, two systems to one store and then for example target had only two systems available and then they sold out before they even the doors even opened because they put them online so they had these advertisements said we have the nes classic and then people come in and then they're like where is it and they're like oh the guy has to be like i i don't know i don't i it's gone uh we don't have any more yeah so oh, nintendo no. was is purposely purposefully lowering the amount that they give to vendors and they did that they're doing that again with snes classic supposedly supposedly there's gonna be a bigger shipment F fucking bullshit dude well i mean bullshit. the thing is though even if there is you're gonna have these scalpers who are gonna buy up tons of them hundreds of them and hoard them somewhere and then they'll dominate the market Fine. This let them. I've but, seen dude, this happen. Let in, them buy uh, up a hundred of them. They're still. Yeah. They're still buying Nintendo stock. Nintendo should keep pumping these fuckers out. Uh -huh. I don't see what the fucking harm is. I mean, the NES Classic. Well, they discontinued the NES Classic, which they're supposedly bringing it back. But again, scalpers are just going to grab a hold of that too, unless they produce like like Nintendo Switch amounts 
of these things. Well, even even Nintendo Switch amounts, there was an issue early on. Yeah, like barely anybody could get a, a Switch because you know the scalpers were jumping on that. Yeah, too but they're, they're, they got the scalpers took a bath on that one because they're actually. Pr- I mean, I they're pretty. You know, they're not. They're not that uncommon to see yeah. in stores now. So. Well, and and I see a lot of scalping and stuff in the DVD and Blu-ray collecting market, uh, especially with limited editions and stuff. And so you see a lot of scalpers who just buy up. And then you have people like who are like, well, I bought two because then I could sell the other one. And then I basically have uh, sold the other one for twice the price. And I, I've, I've got another one for free. And I, I don't like that. That, that. that annoys me because you're taking away a copy that someone had the money to pay for it and would have done it and they're not going to be able to get it for regular price because you bought two and so like, you could get one for get, so you basically could get one for free or the people who buy a second copy just so they can keep it in shrink wrap and put it in a fucking case somewhere like what the fuck is that about like it's a it's a movie okay it's meant to be watched that, and enjoy that i don't have so as big of a problem a with for these, case. that that i don't have as big of a problem with if they want to be like a shelf collector you know and they want to have one that they use and that if it's something that if it's a movie i have they, a problem with that i do especially if it's a movie that they don't even like why would they do that if they didn't like it they do that all the time for the collection i could see and if you I, like I do the have movie. an issue with that i mean if you like if you're not a big fan of it and you just bought it, you know, two for like to put on your like what? You're not even that big of a fan of the movie. Like, when are you going to take this off your shelf uh, very often? And if you take care of your shelves and you take care of your stuff well enough, you shouldn't have to worry about having an extra copy just to have one on the shelf. I mean, I don't understand that at all, especially with the Blu-ray. It just now I get it with a like a uh, something like a Nintendo cartridge because they can go bad. But I don't. Well, get that's it with what Blu-ray. I was. That's why I was saying more, more on that field. But I don't understand with this fucking guy because he's a fucking firefighter. He makes decent money. He doesn't need. He's not doing this because he needs the money. He's doing it because he's a fucking prick. I'm a, ca- a capitalism. <laughs> durr, durr, capitalism. Durr. No, it's called being a fucking asshole. Because okay, buy one. Buy fucking one. But the fact that you went store to store, those were SNES consoles that other people could have fucking gotten that wanted one that would have played it. But no, I don't, this guy's such a fucking prick. And he's being so cute and cheeky about, oh, you know, you need to learn about supply and demand. And he's like being all calm and like, yeah. you know, just like cavalier about the whole thing uh-huh. because he doesn't give a fuck about the games and he doesn't give a fuck about that community, he just wants to make a quick buck. I fucking yep. hate scalpers. I hope they die. I fucking <laughs> hope they all die. They're fucking cancerous. All I'm right. not going to go that far, but I don't like them either. Now that I got that out of the way, I feel as though I can get more in the mindset of... Uh, I could, Dude, oh, it pissed me off, and I didn't want to bring that up at the beginning of the of the podcast. Uh-huh. Because no one, you yeah. know, like 2% of the audience would give a shit about yeah. it. But this is good post, <laughs> post-ranting shit. Oh, exactly. God, that pisses me off. Like, ah, I got, like, I didn't, dude, you know what? But fuck him. I have all those games. I have, the only game I don't have on the Super Nintendo Classic is Super Punch-Out. And fuck that game. It sucks. It's probably like a $10 game. But like Earthbound, Final Fantasy 3, I got all those yeah. motherfuckers. I got the physical, I have the, the physical fucking cart. Uh huh. Myself, so fuck them. 
I want. <laughs> I still do want an NES Classic though. That I legitimately want. I don't have a lot of those games, and I don't want to really go out and spend the money to get them. So the NES Classic would have been nice. Would have been nice to plug it into my HD TV and just do it like that instead of playing the emulator. But all right, whatever. All right. <laughs> the emulator though, I personally think is better because the emulator you can play all the games. And uh, you have the, the the ability due to the save states and stuff. I know some people have hacked the NES Classic, but uh, you have to know what you're doing to be able to do that do that kind of thing. So, also, the the controller for the it's too short, and they actually are selling like extra extension cords for your controller cord because it's too short. Probably another Nintendo probably did that on purpose so they can make extra money. Yeah, Nintendo, you know, they normally do good by people as far as, like, the consoles they actually put out, you know. They're usually well-made and they last. But, man, with this whole classic debacle, uh, it really putting a bad fucking taste in my mouth for Nintendo. I'll tell you what. Well, they started that with the Amiibos thing where they said they're limited and then you find out later that they're not. And the, the whole market then crashed because they had all these extra Amiibos that they had to just shove into stores. Yeah, well, I you know, thankfully I could give a fuck less about those amiibo things, but uh, yeah, now man, that kid just fucking pissed me off so bad. Like Chris Tipton, look him up on Facebook and call him a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, what also pisses me off? Uh, kids who uh, decide to kill innocent people or uh, ravage their corpses. Yeah, that, well, that, that, that's the kind of stuff that pisses me off. Too. Yeah, it pisses me off. That, that, that should piss me off more. And scalping. So let's get into the yeah. let's get into the shit here. Um, what was it? we're episode six 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 the number of the beast. Um, it is hell six. and fire. Dun, 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 dun. A burning desire. I don't know. No, something the least. I think. Yes, we are sixty six. <laughs> uh, want to talk about the Gainesville killers first because that's kind of like leading up to the big daddy. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I could do that. All right, I guess we'll go in here. So the first uh, episode, uh, the first segment uh, from an episode we're talking about today is the Gainesville Thrill Killers. Um, Mike, I haven't done the intro. I haven't done. Go ahead. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> what are you thinking, man? Are you just knocking me out? I'm getting, I, I still think we're like the... <laughs> Mike, are you getting Alzheimer's, like, early onset no, Alzheimer's? No, no, you, you started it weird. I'm not used to it starting out with me, a rant. Me yelling. So then you're going to put that at the end. Yeah, so, this is going at the yeah, end. Yeah, just cut all this shit out. and then. Well, no, this is going at the end. It'll be good. 